Let's pray. Father God, we know that you're awesome. We know for one thing from the Bible, maybe one thing only, there's a lot to know, but this that we do know, that you told us that you love us and that you wish and pray yourself that none would perish. But we know, Lord, some will. We've seen it. Things like that happen in the flood. Some perished. We're just asking, Lord, that you would be with us and help us. Even right now today on your Sabbath day, Lord, to find this love that you have for us. And help us to love you back. And I pray, Lord, that in the scriptures we can see that picture of love that you sent us in your son. And help us, Lord to surrender everything to him is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I didn't go to constituency meeting, but I went to, three weeks ago, a camp meeting. And at this camp meeting, we walked away, my wife and I, and I know other people had to too, and we had friends that saw us there on Somebody took a picture of us and put it on Facebook. Oh, they're coming, So, or they're there, so we're going to see them. They didn't come, but they did come. <laughs> and uh, the excitement that we found at the camp meeting and the speakers, the singers, those that just gave announcements was an excitement that it's soon over. And I always used to think it was soon, but I walked away, my wife and I, with thinking Jesus is coming quicker than what we thought. And one of the presenters, the main presenter, he gave that indication in some of his his talks. There was one word that seemed to be a word that was floating around and people were discussing. Now what word would you think might happen or might people might talk about at a camp meeting. The word was dangerously. Dangerously. They were talking about spreading the gospel that we need to be dangerously. We need to quit tiptoeing around to spread the gospel. We need to get dangerous. Go out on a limb to spread the gospel. Go to that place that you wouldn't go before. Now is the time to do it because Jesus is coming back very soon. I walked away and the next week I heard news and read news. I I read a lot of news. My wife tells me I need to quit reading so much news. But I come away from there with the news that I've read. I'm very interested In January 1 coming up, I think this whole world is going to look a little bit different. Political-wise, I think the, the things that are happening in this world is coming at such an enormous rate and pace, you can't keep up with it. Things are changing daily, almost hourly. Just like... A few years ago when you went to bed Saturday night and you woke up Sunday morning, it was okay, okay to have same-sex marriage. 
Things are happening so fast. Overseas, my brother said, talked about in Sabbath school. And overseas in Europe, but also in Asia, things are happening so fast right now with a Sunday movement. I've talked to others, myself from different countries, and they're telling me personally they were there. The Sunday movement is going on, and it's moving fast. What's holding it back here in the United States? Because we live in such solemn times, solemn times, we are unprepared. But we can be prepared. You see, the second coming of the Lord and the signs of his approach are increasingly more evident every day. You'll watch the news, I don't know, tonight, tomorrow, Monday. Hear about it. Somebody will talk to you. You'll find that there's changes happening that you haven't known of or seen or heard. That You think, well, when did that happen? Why didn't I know that? You might wake up one morning and find out you're missing money out of your bank account. There's things happening right now being put in place that the government can withdraw money from your bank account and don't have to tell you. Changes are coming. We're on the cusp of events that were, is about to overwhelm the whole world. Not just me, not just the church, but the whole world, including the politicians. Yet we must bear in mind that the Lord will appear. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 14, says this. It's familiar. Everybody knows it. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached unto all the world as a witness. So how do you witness to people? Preach the gospel. How do you preach the gospel? By your life? Your example? It's a silent preacher, I call it. But there's other ways to preach it. Stand up here. But there's some of the better ways to preach it is to hand out literature. To hand out literature. Because after we have preached it to all the world, as a witness, says then the end will come. Why aren't things happening faster, I've heard Adventists say. I thought 10 years ago we'd have a Sunday law. And it's now 10 years later. I thought we'd have one back in the pandemic, but now we're three years down the road. Why isn't it happening? The gospel has not been preached to all the world. And that does not mean the other countries. It means Mount Pleasant, Texarkana, it means all the towns, the people. It has to be preached. And God said that if we didn't preach it, the stones would. If you got a, a head as hard as rock, 
I'm wanting to know. We should be preaching the gospel. We must awake to the seriousness of this mission that Jesus has given us. He has entrusted this church with special truths. Special truths. We treat them as putty. We'll leave it out and let it get dried and throw it away. Sometimes we'll rub it and mix it up to keep it soft and we'll get something else and put in with it and it's got something, a different flavor, a different look. The truths aren't being kept pure. And this church is called to do that. To keep this truth special that God has for the world. Not just to keep them pure, but to keep them fresh. Is the Sabbath becoming become a obstacle that you just want to, you have to come to church because it has become a hobby in your walk with God? Some people think that, oh yeah, I've got to go to church. It's a pleasure to go to church. That's where God meets his people. It's the apple of his eye. But yet, we want to treat it as I have to. So this has brought me all to a question. If God has special truths for his people to tell the world, by the way, plug for the Sabbath school quarterly, at the end of it, the next page is a, uh, a mission story. This, today's, this week's was from Ukraine. It is excellent if you haven't read it. It is excellent. Uh, I want to tell you that in... You might have heard it at Constituency, I don't know, that out here at Fort Worth, not too long ago, churches got together after Sabbath, afternoon, they got together. Fourteen or sixteen people from different church, from those different churches, different people come together, and they handed out in a couple of hours 200,000 great controversies. Did they tell you about that? happened also down at Houston. There was another church I read about yesterday, by the way, and I don't remember where it was at. It was 20 people, 20 or 22. I'm trying to count them in the picture. And in two hours, Sabbath afternoon, they handed out over 200 great controversies. Do we have a prophet in the church? Each one here can be a prophet. A prophet is somebody that carries God's truth to everybody. And you can be a prophet. Handing out a signs of the times. Handing out a glow track, a steps to Christ. Handing out something. Putting it somewhere where somebody will find it. Yes, we have to step up. Because it's time not to be skittish with our faith. Which again brought me back to the question. 
If God has something for us to do, he says he will empower us to do it. But you have to be willing. So I come back to the question. Oh, you're wanting to know what this question is. Well, here it is. Why would God pour out his Holy Spirit in the latter rain power? We talked about that at Sabbath school. Why would God pour out his Holy Spirit in the latter rain power to finish the work if the majority of the church has little or no interest in witnessing? We find that in the Adventist church. With God's last day people, with Laodiceanism, we become lazy. Oh, let the pastor do it. I can't wait till we get a pastor. He will do, and we give all kinds of things. The pastor will go visit. The pastor will evangelize. The pastor will do this. The pastor leaves. They come to the head elder. I guess that's you this coming year. They come to the head elder. Oh, head elder, that's your job. You've got to do that. I was at an elders meeting last week at my church. I found out I didn't know about it. And I was ashamed. A hundred and sixty cards of people wanting a pastoral visit. What are we going to do about it? (laughs) I sat there amazed when one of the elders said, Well, pastor, they're wanting you to come. They just want the pastor to come? The pastor's got to make 160 visits. Why do you have all the elders? Do we not know what the description of an elder is in the Bible? Do we not know what the description of a deacon or deaconess is in the Bible? I can give you that description for each one of the offices in the church. Witnesser. Don't know if that's a word or not. They're supposed to be witnessing for Jesus. They're supposed to be talking about Jesus, telling about Jesus. As a Seventh-day Adventist, when you were baptized, you said that you would tell people about Jesus. You said that you would not be ashamed of Jesus. You said that you'll be faithful to Jesus. Jesus has given his church one thing to do. Let the pastor do it. No, he didn't say that. He really didn't say that. He said, go into some of the place, all the world, all the world. But if we have a complacent, lukewarm attitude toward reading, toward reaching lost people, why would God give us the latter rain power? We have to have a change within us. The latter rain will be poured out upon a praying, committed, unified, witnessing church. If you're not one of those, we need to have a prayer meeting. We need to pray and come together every time that we can with whoever will.
We need to pray for revival and reformation in the church. I'm committed to that in my church. I've already talked to a couple of people. If just two or three get together and would pray, the church can change. (laughs) It can change me, God can. It can help me be more committed to Him. Which brought me to another question. Is it really possible for this message that we have, this special message, to be known and understood in the entire world? Some people's only entire world is not overseas. Some people's entire world consists sometimes of at work and home. At work and home. Some people's entire world, because they're homebound, is home. What world can be reached? You never know. By giving out something, telling somebody about Jesus, you can reach an entire different generation you can reach an entire different town this week alone i was in getting my hair cut and i knew the lady that was cutting my hair three months ago had neck operation i hadn't seen her in that long you see how often i get a haircut and uh, i asked her how it was going and she told me the complications and yet there she stood to cut hair And I said, I'll pray for you when I get home. Why did I say when I get home? I'm right there with her. So she was still cutting on my hair. So when it come time to pay, I had the money in my hand, and I give it to her and grabbed her hand. And I said, I ain't waiting. We're praying now. She said, okay. I prayed with her right there. I noticed something. She's not the only one in there. Somebody else cutting hair also. I noticed all sound stopped at that moment. The lady thanked me just for praying for her. She was headed to a doctor's appointment, 11 weeks, checkup, all kinds of problems. What will that do for her? I have no idea. We have no idea. When people come to the fair booths that we we have, they come asking for prayer. I have to tell of one. I didn't plan on telling it. Uh, This year at Texacana Fair, a young woman come up with a small child about, I don't know, that tall, however old that is, and uh, was looking and had picked up the desire of ages and was talking. Her husband was milling around walking back and forth and one side, then the other side. Then he looked me in the eye and he said, what do you have for somebody that's lost their faith? A loaded question. I didn't have to stutter, didn't have to stammer. I reached over and grabbed a book. And I said, you need to start with this book. And you need to read it and pray before you read it. Yes, you can get your faith back. Yes, you can walk with God again. And I said, after you read this book, 
read this one. Those two books he took, and he walked away. He gave me his name, and I told him I'd pray for him, and I have. There's somebody looking for Jesus that you know, and you don't know it. But if you don't tell them about your faith in Jesus, Revelation said, and their testimony... They may not want to believe the New Testament, the Old Testament. I don't read Revelation because I don't understand it. They'd understand it if they read the Old Testament. All the signs and symbols is in there to tell you what it is. They may not want that. But you can have a testimony, your testimony, of what God has done for you that will change somebody's life. But you have to be willing Yes, it's hard to get up and go and hand out literature. I was a literature evangelist for a while. It's hard to go some days. You find a heavy weight upon your shoulders. But God can lift that weight. I'm dedicated to handing out literature anywhere I go. So is my wife. Which brought me to another question. Yeah, I got a lot of questions. What kind of difficulties and challenges and opportunities are we facing when we're preaching the gospel to somebody? That seems to be what we keep in our mind. That seems to be what we hang on to. Oh, they're going to turn their head, walk away. We've had people that would walk by us and say, don't talk to my child, you're abusing her. We just said, hey, we got a free Bible storybook for you. Can she, and we asked the adult if she could have it, you know. But what can happen? Yes, Paul had rocks thrown at him. He was cast out. He was put over a wall in in a basket just to get away. He lay dead and finally woke up after his accuser left. Jesus, he was spat on. He was hit. He was beat up. He was flogged. His flesh was tore. Yes, he had thorns on his head. And yet, he hung on a cross where they had nailed nails through his hands. And he, yes, he, while he was hanging there, He said, Father, forgive them for what they do. They're going to meet their punishment. Even though God, Jesus, asked his Father to forgive them, they're still going to meet their punishment. But what if they had a change of heart? What if that prayer that Jesus prayed changed somebody's heart that was listening that wasn't of that group. It can change our hearts today. Each of us has the potential of being instruments in the transformation of vast groups of people. I heard of a of a uh, uh, Adventist camp or wasn't a camp meeting, a preach a tent service, whatever they used to call them. It was under a tent. It was set up in a, in a town, a large town, 
And there was one person that attended. Be disheartening, wouldn't it? If you were the preacher. If you were the song player. You're looking to hear hundreds of voices sing and it gets beautiful. But there's only one. There's only one. That person gave his life to God. He became a mighty worker in God's church. And he's reached thousands, literally thousands, tens of thousands. I heard he was preaching one time in Africa. And the stadium was full. But the one people outside that was listening was a chief of a village that they were told not to come. But the village chieftain heard the prayer. He heard the songs. He heard the message. And as I understand the story, if you went to the village on Sunday morning, that chieftain was preaching that message to his people. We never know who's going to carry the message that you have to tell. Revelation 7, (coughs) verse 1, says, I saw four angels standing the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. It's a fabulous verse here. Those angels holding back the strife. Why are they holding back the strife? Did you ever ask that question? Why does God need four angels holding back the strife? Let them come. Get it over. God says no. He says there's somebody I still need to reach their heart. And that's why the four winds are standing there. Four angels are standing there, I mean, holding back those winds of strife. Because there's somebody that need to be reached. Why hasn't everything crashed down? Why hasn't the Sunday law become more prominent? Why hasn't the Holy Spirit been poured out? Why are we not in the seven last plagues? Because God has somebody to reach. And you might be the one that does the reaching for that last person. It could be. But he's standing there holding those winds back. The rulers and statesmen of this world, they have their eyes fixed upon events that are taking place, are about to take place around us. Some of them have ideas of what's been planned. And they're waiting to see what happens. Some of them has ideas, but they say things aren't working out the way we thought they would. The intensity with each event they see, they see that something great is about to take place, that is about to happen. They know that a violent storm is about to overshadow, overtake this whole planet. They're trying to be on the right side. Some are helping hold back the winds of strife. Read your great controversy. It says they're helping in their political powers to hold back these winds of strife. 
And then when time comes and it's time to let loose or just about let loose, they will become Seventh-day Adventists. So how close are we now? Over 100 years ago, what I just read to you was written. How close are we now? When this thing started, the Adventist church since 1844, seems like a long time ago. But I get to thinking back. My great-grandfather, he could have known Ellen White. He could have been part of the movements. And that's not so long ago. Revelation 12. Revelation 12, verse 17. Sabbath school lesson. says this, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Do we want to be counted in that group? I hope we do. Thank you. Amen's right. The work which the church has failed to do in a time of peace and prosperity she will have to do in a terrible crisis under most discouraging, forbidding circumstances. Five testimony, 463. I've got a whole, about three pages more. I don't know why it took so long to get through it all, but I notice it's about a quarter after, so I need to cut it short. The short answer, the short question The short help is God has given us all the help that we need. He's willing to give you anything and everything that you need to spread the gospel. He's just waiting for one thing. One thing. And that's to say, here I am. Send me. Now you don't have to go to Argentina, Romania, West Africa, Australia, France. Some people just need to go to the piano. <laughs> but we have a place to go. It might be the gas pump. It might be when you get your hair cut. It might be the waiting room of a doctor's office. It might be the people that bring you wheels on meals. I don't know. But you have somebody to talk to. And God is waiting on you to say, send me. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear Father God, these are beautiful words. Make me a blessing today. Lord, I ask that you would fill each and every heart, each and every home, with the Holy Spirit. Give us an urgency, an urgency to be a blessing to somebody. And there's nothing better than hearing the gospel of what you have done for me. Help us to tell somebody 
Help us to be prepared to explain and help us to be prepared to go look up and say, I'll bring the answer back. But help us, Lord, prepare by saying, Lord, send me. Bless us as we go from here, Lord, this week, and help us to find those blessings that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.